Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Conor O'Gara. We are back in our respective cities, back to our long-distance relationship. That is what we are used to. This feels like normal, but in a way, it kind of doesn't. Yes, true. Um, it's, it's very weird being on the opposite end of you like this and not being in person, being able to crack a couple beers and talk all things SEC Championship, but... We were kind of coming into this thinking, you know, we're going to have like the Heisman to talk about. We'll talk about bowls and stuff too. And then the college football world kind of blew up a little bit. Goodness. <laughs> Holy cow, what a news day we Thought had. Thought it was going to be a slow news day. Yeah, about that. Um, so we got Urban Meyer stuff that we're going to talk about. Of course, Kelly Bryant. We are going to preview the Heisman discussion. I looked into some some interesting numbers that I pulled up just about Heisman winning quarterbacks, Heisman runner-ups, all that. And then we did a different kind of ranking for SEC bowl games where we ranked them based on our excitement level. We're not going to do predictions yet or anything like that. We're not going to talk lines for those just yet, but just a, a different kind of ranking than you're used to. So we'll get to, to all that stuff. And then we've got some... And on top of that, I'm going to rename them. Oh, that's right. Oh, I forgot about that. I totally forgot. Yeah, that's kind of the, that's the main. That's thing. the main thing. Okay, so the rankings are just kind of secondary in the the names. Yeah, I saw the yeah. the Vandy Baylor one that you got. I, I I peeked in that. That that one's good. That one's really good. Before we do all that though, got to talk to you about our friends at Ticket City. As you know, this time of year, you're looking for those bowl tickets. You're thinking, how am I going to get into Shreveport, Louisiana, for the cheapest way possible? I need to go to Ticket City. By boat. Yeah, boat would probably Oh, different. Okay, yeah. That's probably the only way you could get into Shreveport at this point. Well, yeah, I would have to sneak in through a raft with Tom and Huck. And then you would think to yourself, is it worth it? Yes, and I would not. It would not be worth it. It's not worth it. SDS is excited to be once again partnering up with Ticket City for all their ticket needs. Our relationship with them goes back several years as they continue to be a leader in the ticket space, especially for college football fans. Getting tickets for college football games could not be easier when using Ticket City. And they're going to get you guys the best prices. All you're going to do is use that promo code that we give you each and every week, CMBF10. You're going to get 10% off of your tickets right now. Whether it's for a bowl game coming up, um, I don't know, before Christmas, they still do that apparently, or a bowl game after Christmas, whenever it is, make sure that you are doing so on Ticket City. Guy that has a lot of free time on his hands, maybe he's going to go to some games. I don't know. I don't want to predict Urban Meyer's future. Uh, he's retiring, in air quotes. Uh, Urban Meyer retires from Ohio State. That news dropped on on uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, we find out that he's going to be coaching through the Rose Bowl, but it was kind of heading in this direction when the way that he was answering questions about his future, you just were kind of led to believe that this was kind of going to be it. Not a lot left in the tank, and Urban Meyer shocks, well, I don't, I don't want to say shocks the college football world. I don't think it really was, but the news like this is still very significant. What was just your initial reaction? Oh, yeah, no, I know your initial reaction, but I think you should tell everybody what it was. What it, my initial reaction, I was, I was shocked. Well, you texted me saying, is this real? Oh, yeah, I said, holy blank, <laughs> is this real? Because um, I thought it was a joke. I, it was everywhere. Like, like, Allie woke me up, and I did my morning routine. And I was like, I was like, what is going on? What is all the ruckus? Remember, like in Independence Day, when Will Smith was like, neighbors are moving, because they couldn't handle the traffic or whatever it was. Little did he know, and like they were just evacuating. Yeah, apparently everyone just evacuating. Yeah. It was kind of like that, but not as much. I was just like, mainly from the sense I was just peeing. I, I just didn't know what was going mm-hmm. on. So Allie told me that Urban Meyer retired. Um, I ran into the living room. 
and to see if it was real, and it was, and then I started laughing, like just like a lot. That's not surprising. No, I, there was no, there's no like, there was a lot of blowback or pushback, I guess, from people online yesterday from some of my jokes. Um, I, I'm gonna let you start with the serious stuff. All right. So the the nuts and bolts of this is Ohio State promotes Ryan Day, who served as the interim coach while Urban was on suspension for his handling of the Zach Smith situation. Ryan Day, a guy who was hired two years ago and was kind of a no-name dude and was not that high on the totem pole at Ohio State, was behind Kevin Wilson, is all of a sudden making $4.5 million. He was apparently offered the Mississippi State job ahead of my, my guy, Joe Moorhead, last year, and he was going to get a Power 5 job, I believe that, if he right. did not stay at Ohio State. So there are a lot of people who are like, why would they just promote from within? Well, they got one of the top up-and-coming coaches, and I made the comparison. We think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he is. I'm a big Ryan Day believer. There are still a lot of things about being a head coach that it's not a guarantee just because you're a great offensive mind. doesn't mean it's going to work necessarily. But I, I made the, the comp that you know Lincoln Riley to Bob Stoops, this is kind of what Ohio State is hoping to get. So whatever, you know, yeah. that, that stuff will play itself out. But yesterday was just about Urban and about the way that he has kind of come to uh, this, this close in his career at 54 years old or, you know, whether or not it's the close of his career. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But I think it's kind of important to look back on this um, in the way that he came to this, this season. We, we, we were talking about this three months ago and how whether or not Ohio State should have fired him after the Zach Smith stuff, and we both were kind of in agreement that the way Ohio State was treating him was a little bit ridiculous, and it basically seemed like they were doing whatever they could to keep him. Maybe they came to an agreement that at season's end, you're just going to step down. Now, the body language that he had during the year led, leads us to believe that you know the headache stuff, the cyst stuff, all that was just part of this, and this this led into all this. Whatever Urban is getting James Brown, right? Yeah, you might be too young for this, but like, have you seen Sister Act two? Maybe you'll get this no. one. When she like is like going off stage, and they like, like it's like, oh no, my back, my back, and then they throw like a blanket over him, and then all of a sudden it's like, dun, 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 ah, and then he like jumps up. It's James Brown. He's, I, oh, he's not hurt. They talked about. They, they made, if you watch the, the announcement and all that, it, it, they made it seem like this was some sort of grand send-off. And they had, you know, both oh of them God. up there, Ryan Day and Urban next to each other. And Gene Smith is sitting there talking about all this, you know, the great stuff that Urban does. And you had reporters who were saying, congratulations on a fantastic career, Urban. It was a fantastic career. Don't get me wrong. I'm not here to, to say that it wasn't. It yeah. was prolific. But it's complicated. Urban's legacy is vastly complicated. And I want to tell a little story based on it. As, as all great millennials do, we make it about ourselves. So that's what I'm about to do right now. <laughs> but just, just to kind of put some of this in perspective, because I think it's important to remember. So a lot of you don't know that the only reason I'm here right now is because of Urban Meyer. Okay, what? Yeah. The only reason that I am... I never let you stay in my house. The only reason that I am in my current job was because back when Ohio State beat Alabama in the college football playoff in, in the semifinals, I don't mean to bring that up to you, like, like this at all. And then Ohio State wins the national championship. Ohio State is the preseason number one team in America. The first unanimous preseason number one in AP poll history. Ohio State looks like a force to be reckoned with. That 2014 team was about a year too early. All the underclassmen that they had, everybody was talking about you know, the quarterback battle. And everybody looked at Ohio State and thought, oh my gosh, this thing is going to be a juggernaut for years to come. It was the best competition to Alabama. And we thought, 
Urban's going to win several more titles. So my former boss at this company, at Saturday Football, uh, he decided we're going to start a Big Ten site. We're going to call it Saturday Tradition. Ohio State is looking like a powerhouse. Michigan just hired Jim Harbaugh. The Big Ten is interesting, and we want to start a Big Ten site. Yeah, and SEC football, Saturday Down South, started a Big Ten site called Saturday Tradition for all of these, those of you who don't know this. These are lies, kids. So they said, not- who are we going to hire to do this? Let's hire this guy who's covering you know, prep sports and covering college football in central Nebraska, this kid named Conor O'Gara. That was me. So they hired me to come down to Orlando. And I picked up everything, moved down to Orlando, moved away from my fiance, drove a U-Haul three days to get down here to do this job. Three, three days took me to three get three days with a U-Haul. I would have done it in a day, dude. SEC speed, what's up? Go yeah, ahead. It took me 30 hours, so just saying. Um, Did you wreck the U-Haul? Yeah, it's a massive U-Haul that was towing my car, too. Towing my 98 Toyota Corolla. So, uh, fun times. Scary, scariest, one of the scary moments of my life was driving through Nashville during midday with that thing just going straight downhill. Not good. Connor, we know that I wrecked a U-Haul. I'm not allowed to drive U-Hauls anymore. So, we'll get to that story later. This is true. So, I came down here because my former boss said... Ohio State is a team that we need to be covering. We need to be talking about Big Ten football. I ran that site for two years until I transitioned into my current position, which is national columnist for both sites. Yes, I still write for the Big Ten site as well. I still write for, I still write, end up writing more stories on the SEC side. But Urban Meyer, if he doesn't turn that team into a juggernaut and make Ohio State a force, I'm just simply not here doing this current job. And I fully believe that. So it's very yeah. awkward for me. And not that this is about me or anything like that, but it's it's been Seems like it's it. weird for me to look back on that moment and think, yeah, all right, Ohio State's going to be this force. I thought I was going to be talking about covering Ohio State national championships. In the time that I've been here, this is my fourth season, just completed my fourth season with this company. Ohio State did not score a single point in the playoff. It's bad. It's it's bad. stunning when you think about that and. I know that Urban is a guy that has three titles. He's got the third best winning percentage in college football history. I'm just saying, the accomplishments are there, and you could make a good case for him as the second best coach of the 21st century. I get all that. But the last four years are just baffling because he has the two losses that are really going to stand out. Last two years. In the last two years. Yeah. And if even if you go back to the Penn State, the Penn State loss, which was baffling in itself because Penn State at the time was unranked and they had never beat a ranked right. team under in the James Franklin era. So that in itself and then they went on that run and, and closed out undefeated right. and go to the, the Rose Bowl. So three straight years that Urban's lost to an unranked team. We can get into the comparison with Saban and how that's just unprecedented for Saban. I'd love to. But so these last four years, he's gonna probably finish with top six teams in each of the last five years, really. Right. And he still will have never won, never scored a point in the playoffs since that national championship game. And that, to me, blows my mind when I think about how good we thought Ohio State was going to be and how they've been a very good team, but they never quite got to that level. And now Saban is clearly far and away the best in college football, and Dabo has taken the place that many thought that Urban would. So 2013 happened, and I was in a glass case of emotion, um, as you all know. And when the rumors start, what year did he get to Ohio State? He got to Ohio State in 2012, and they were on postseason okay. probation, and they still went 12-0 and in that year, even though they couldn't play right. in a postseason game. Right. So I remember when he got there, I remember saying to a friend, I was like, this is such a genius move. Here or Notre Dame is the best move for him because, and this pains me to even say it because I hate Ohio State, and I have to sneeze. But there is no way 
that he there like when it first, I really have to sneeze. It won't come out. This is the worst. Hope it doesn't. You're like Andy show. in the elevator, right? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, so okay, Urban Meyer. When when they announced he's going to Ohio State, I looked at my buddy and I was like, this is such a perfect match because I still believed even at the time that he was on Saban's level. The attention to detail, the way he was able to like create a, a culture within that program at Florida. And when I say culture, I'm not saying that in a derogatory way of all the people they had arrested. But the culture he created and the success they had in such a, a quick turnaround. You think three, about like Ron Zook. Yeah, three three different. So by the time he got to Ohio State, he had already turned around three programs. And then he ends up turning around a fourth at Ohio State. Right. And it's almost like we forget. He's been so successful at each stop, we forget about the success he had before. And it's not like Saban was like, well, Saban was really good at, at LSU, or he was really good at Michigan State. It's like, hold on, Utah was 12-0. and Went to a BCS Bowl. Got a number one overall number one draft one overall pick. pick. Yeah. yeah. So, and then, you know, Florida, he obviously gets Tebow, and they win two out of three national championships and all that kind of stuff. He's a really incredible coach. And I kept thinking, I was like, they're going to be in the national championship a minimum every other year. Right. That's before they even had the playoff. And I was like, because the Big Ten is weak, in my opinion. You don't you most of your stuff is backloaded. And he, and he has elevated the, the overall coaching level of the Big Ten. Yes. I don't know if Michigan makes the move to get Harbaugh if Urban's not in the division doing what he's doing. So I think that no. there's a there's a good case to be made that he has really changed the landscape Brady of the conference. Hoke is still your coach at Michigan. If he doesn't come. No, so he I mean he's he's a really good coach. And I kept thinking, I was like, this is a national brand. And Ohio State used to not be that unlikable. They really weren't. Joe Germain, ninety eight, that was a fun team. They were nice, seemed like, until they were upset by Nick Saban and Michigan State. Anyway, it just, the whole thing I thought was going to be a juggernaut that was going to honestly take away any of the dominance that Alabama had just started getting. Like, Bama had won like three of the four na- last four national championships, and it was like, he's going to have a national brand. He's going to have a national, for lack of better words, touch in like the recruiting landscape of the of the country. He can reach into Florida. He can reach out west. He can reach into Texas. Ohio is a very underrated state for, for high school football talent. Mm-hmm. And and I'll admit that. But he, he's going to have all of these resources at his disposal. And he just went out of his way to... <laughs> it was like Mark Richt. It was like, it was like a... It was like a Mark Richt on steroids. Like, yes, he's going to have a top five finish, top six finish, all that kind of stuff. But he just did something unexplicable every year. But the difference between Richt and, and Urban is, well, there, there's the obvious. Urban, the, this was the longest he had ever stayed at, at a place. You have a coach who's being considered one of the great coaches of all time, really, and he never stayed at a place more than seven years. This was seven seasons that he spent at Ohio State, and that was more than he spent at Florida, more than he spent yeah. at Utah, more than he spent at Bowling Green. So Urban's legacy is very complicated for the off-field stuff. I mean, yeah. the he was asked point blank, the Zach Smith, the way that he handled that, is that going to impact your legacy? And he's like, you know, yeah. And credit Urban for actually being able to or be. Or is it the 26 arrests in your first four years of Florida? Yeah, that, was that also going to impact your legacy and having Aaron Hernandez? But I think he knows that Yeah. at this point, it, it's kind of all out there. And we're going to, it'll be interesting to look back on Urban 10 years from now and try and figure him out because I think a lot of people had questions about somebody like Jim Trestle, who dominated the first part of the 21st right. century. But the way that you go out matters. And I think a lot of the people who will look back at Urban, they won't put him in the same in the same category as Saban. That's not fair. I don't even know if they'll put him in the same category as Dabo. 
but they'll put him in this group of, wow. yeah, but just because of all the people that he scorned along the way. And that's, that's, that's right. part of it. And, you know, you could say what you want about Dabo and whether or not you like believe in, in his whole, his whole vibe and his whole mantra or whatever. And, you know, he's still only 49 and we're going to have a lot more time to dissect that him. That was 49. That was 49. He's five years wow. younger than, than, than Urban. Or I think he's, yeah, he's, he's still 49. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but I think that Urban is just going to be so tough to dissect just because there are so many, there's a lot of demerits against the guy. I mean, let's, you know, the Aaron Hernandez, the, the whole situation are, you know, we're, we're going to continue and to bring that up. maybe that's unfair. Maybe that is unfair. But this is a, this is still something where we judge you when you are that big. You don't just get judged by wins and losses. Because if Urban's just getting judged well, by wins and losses in a vacuum, it, you know, the conversation is, is, is way different right now that, that we're talking about him. But we feel the need to bring this stuff up because it seems inappropriate to just say, oh, yeah, this guy who overlooked the, a coach who was, you know, serial domestic violence abuser, all this, you know. Twice. Yeah, twice. I mean, they're at two different stops. And know? the way that he left at Florida and, you know, the, 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 the bridges that he burned down in Gainesville, you can't just look at Urban as this guy who, you know, yeah, he went 82 and 9 at Ohio State. And yeah, he's got three rings. You can't just look at him as a guy who did that and nothing else because this is, this is legacy stuff that we're talking about. And the right. way that we respect certain people more than others, that, that all take, is, you know, worth taking into to consideration. Right. And, and I'll say this. I'll say this about this because this was – I just said this a lot. Um, yesterday, this was a big point of emphasis, emphasis on social media because my job yesterday was one of my favorite days of work ever. I made memes, looked up gambling stuff. It was awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a great day. <laughs> um, but, you know, the thing, the thing that I don't – respects about urban and and i'm not sure if it's you know the all the truth has come out to it yet and this is this is you know we're not going to get into and beat a dead horse about the whole uh story but everything with courtney smith i don't i don't respect urban like the whole i like we've we've said things about you know i made the the meme about him like bent over on his knees with that same famous meme of like the the black lady with the glasses um and it was like urban meyer coaching like this like he's got a sis dude like that's so messed up there's not a single part of my fiber and my being or whatever that feels sorry for this man because of the story that came out this summer and how he handled it. And then, you, and then like, when stuff like that happens, it's hard not to go back and be like, hold on, let's look at his past. And that seems to kind of not, not match necessarily, but he's also got some skeletons in those closets. And the thing is with, the, like with society, I think, nowadays in general, it's a what have you done for me lately? Shiny object over here. Like everyone is caught up in the moment. Prisoners in the moment with a lot of stuff. And Urban Meyer is going to have a better legacy than we are giving him right now, or that we think he's going to have. Probably. Because right in a couple of years, everyone's going to forget about the actual, like the like, intricate details of what happened this season. They're going to look at that record. They're going to realize all the success he had, at, you know, with Alex Smith and then with Tim Tebow and then, you know, going like all the quarterbacks he had in 2015 uh, and 2014. He's a, he's a phenomenal coach. He really is. Um, I think that some of that stuff will kind of fall by the wayside. And maybe it should, maybe it should, I don't know. But what's weird about this is also in society, we have a tendency to really, like, we, we celebrate some icons, right? But there's some that we're just kind of like, uh, all right, next. Yeah, yeah, just like, like we're, we, we are, we, <laughs> I think with the increase of social media, we've become like an, inc- and this is going to sound so, like, just ratchet, but like, 
we become like an uh, just like an increased society of like haters. Yeah, like where oh, we no are doubt. constantly looking for the next thing. We're trying to find ways to like you know crap on people for whatever. Um, Urban's an easy person to crap on. Let's he's you know, an, think and about he, it. he is. Yeah, that's like that, again that's been part of my job. Yeah. Um, but at the same time. You know, like we always try to find a way to diminish some of the people, like some people's success. Like Saban, a lot of people talk about, well, he couldn't do it in the NFL. <laughs> you know, in the stuff with Urban, this will probably be like that kind of ammo that's used. Is Saban going to coach but, again? Yes. Yes. By coach, though, I don't think he's coaching a Power Five job again. I when people are like, oh, oh yeah, he's really? going to coach, he's going to coach at USC. Yeah, give me give me a break. You think Urban? No, is, he's not going to coach. Urban's for a while. grandpa now. He's not going to move his family to USC. Like that, the chances of that are are very, are ridiculous. Yeah. I, I'm not going to rule we'll out. Stay on and help coach. I don't think he's I don't think he's going to be a Power Five head coach again. I think he he has nothing left to accomplish. I think if he really is, you know, I think this this does feel a little bit different than the floor when he left Florida, just because he's kind of been there, done that now at multiple places. And I don't think he feels like he has anything left in the tank. I think he could easily move into. Uh, he could move into maybe uh, an NFL coordinator job or something like that. He's going to be a head coach in the NFL within five years. All right. And the reason I say that is this, because when you talk about the attention to detail, the around-the-clock job, and not to taking away from all the stuff they have to do. Yeah, but that's more stressful. At, no, it's not. Uh, in no. terms of job no, so, security? So I, here's, here, well, job, but it, like, I don't think he's worried about that. Like, it, he loves coaching. This is what he does. And so he brought up yesterday, he was like, He's talking about how you have to earn the trust of your players. You have to know their girlfriend's name, their brother, their sister, their mom, their dad, what they want to do after college. And he said something about once you earn that trust, they will move mountains for you. He's really he's a great recruiter. He's a really good recruiter, and he's great at developing players and like that special bond between people. The NFL, you don't have to recruit nonstop. You don't have to be in charge of all this extra stuff. I mean, you don't have the same kind of control necessarily over the players. That's why Saban didn't do well. I think it's a perfect fit for Urban Meyer. Well, in the meantime... Unless you get criminals. It's fi- it's completely fine. In the meantime, he's going to need a job, as we know. I mean, I, I know that he actually doesn't, but uh, he's going to need something to, to at least cover, you know, fill, fill the time. So I got three jobs yeah. for him. Uh, one of which is obvious. He threw it out on social media yesterday. Uh, Alabama offensive analyst slash intern, whichever one Saban wants to give him. I'm sure that Urban would not mind going down to Tuscaloosa, watching some game film, crunching some numbers, taking over for intern Butch Jones after intern Butch Jones gets a group of five coaching gig. We hope that happens. I like that. Uh, that's that's the obvious one. Uh, the next one, I like this a lot. It's it's a new TV show called Coach Bar Rescue. Yeah. Shout out to, uh, to John Tapper. Everybody knows that, that they watch that show when they're, they're hungover on Sunday in college. Uh, so this is just Urban basically being like Bar Rescue, except he goes into all these like Group of Five or FCS right. programs, yeah. and he goes in there and he humiliates them, and he yells at these coaches, right. and he's like, you're going to fail your... You're just kicking in the door at Toledo. You're a zip! No, Akron. Your company. You're a zip. You're, what is that? They're going to shut down your program, and they're going to start hockey. And it's just Urban going off on these Look at coaches. this weight room. Just ru- like rubbing his finger along the the, the floor, and just like yep. just lint everywhere and dust. Why is this not clean? How do you expect to run a program if you can't clean your weight room? <laughs> so Urban's get, Urban would be great for that. I would watch it. The ratings yeah. would be bonanza. Spike TV, uh, you're welcome. Uh, and Urban could do that. They could fly him around in a private jet. He, that'd be perfect. So uh, and then the last one, and this is this might be the best. He should invent an app that deletes text messages. <laughs> they have those, Herb. 
They already he have should invent another app that deletes text messages. <laughs> He'll make a lot of money doing oh, it. Oh, and he's going to call it OH. Oh, no. That'll be oh, the best. You think he'll start dressing good. like John Tapp? He should. John Tapper, or whatever John his name Tapper, is. Yeah. John Tapper looks like a big mouth Billy Bass came to life and started dressing like an Italian. John Tapper is one of those guys where if you were worried about the direction of the world, I feel like I would want to put him in charge and just say, just go handle what? it. Just go handle it. No. No. I love John Tapper. He, he, He's the man. Okay, let me rephrase. He looks like a big mouth Billy Bass that came to life as a Joseph A. Bank mannequin. Boom. Nailed it. Moving on. Smart guy. Uh, the big news last night, Kelly Bryant got his thunder stolen by Urban a little bit. A little bit. Kelly Bryant commits to Mizzou, turns down Auburn, turns down Chad Morris at Arkansas, and says, I'm coming to Columbia. I'm going to be Drew, Drew Locke's replacement. A lot of people were surprised by this. And... So I got, a, I got a, a text from a very, somebody that I trust very much in this industry who said, it's Mizzou. On Tuesday morning, I got this text. And I'm Such like, an ignorant, ignorant comment. No offense to whoever texted you that. No, no. Because I got the same stuff. Some, so, so somebody texted me this on, on Tuesday morning. I was like, what? Like, wh- why in the world would, would, would that oh, make sense still? Okay. Because we saw the pardon my take tweet on Monday night where they basically, where they said that he was going to Arkansas. Kelly Bryant does end up picking Mizzou. That's what that's what some insiders believed were going to happen. And sure enough, he decides he wants to go play in Derek Dooley's offense. So I think a lot of people and a lot of Auburn and Arkansas fans are thinking to themselves, why in the world did Kelly Bryant just go to Mizzou instead of those two programs? We should have come up with a top five of the dumbest comments that were made about this from those fans afterwards. Oh, there were some great tweets. We we my favorite was there was an Auburn fan that was like that that wrote something. He was like, "Well, I guess he doesn't want to win." It's like, dude, Auburn has uh, Mizzou has more wins than Auburn. Yeah, Mizzou's a top twenty-five team. So (laughs) there there are a lot of reasons though. If you if you sit down and 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 just step back and not just look at the the basic program and just kind of look a little bit deeper, it makes sense. And I threw this is why I threw this out there. So um, when he initially announced that he was going to transfer, I threw out a list of five candidates, one of which was a wild card. Mizzou was my wild card. And it was right. my wild card because the pro-style throws that he's going to get to make in Derek Dooley's offense where they're going to stretch the field, just like Drew Locke did. Drew Locke, you know, everybody talks about his downfield ability, and that's his strength. That's not Kelly Bryant's strength. He was, I think, 29% on throws that are... More than 20 yards, that's according to College Football Film Room. Great follow on Twitter, by the way. Great follow. And so that's what he wants to do, and he wants to be able to play in the next level. And then you kind of look and you realize, well, he's guaranteed a starting job if he goes to Mizzou, where at Auburn, you know, we assume that he's he would have been the starter, but he, you know, Jared Stidham didn't announce he was going to the NFL until the same day, of course, that Kelly Bryant made his announcement as well. That's not a coincidence. And if you look at Arkansas, I don't think he'd been worried about winning a starting job there, but there's no. there's still questions about the playmakers on the outside. They just don't have the weapons that Mizzou does, and that's might be weird to say, but you know, look at Mizzou's roster right now. You got Alberto, who's going to be one of the best tight ends in the country next year. It was this year too. You got Jonathan Johnson coming back. You got Jalen Knox, very talented freshman receiver. You got a thousand yard rusher and Larry Roundtree. And by the way, Arkansas. This got even worse for you because you watched Jonathan Nance go transfer to Mizzou. So he's got weapons. No Nance dance. He's got a lot of weapons. He's going to get to make some pro-style throws. I get it for Kelly Bryant. I think this move makes a lot of sense. I don't understand who does it. I don't get it. All the people that were like, why would he go to Mizzou? First off, first and foremost, 
I made this meme last night. <laughs> he went to Mizzou. Kelly Bryant, more like Nelly Bryant, bro. Andale, Andale. You, you are um, getting way too good at this meme stuff right now. Dude, I, I mean, first of all, I love Nelly. Met him twice. Sick uh, brag. Well, I heard that story. That was a tough one. Yeah, yeah I was not allowed in that VIP. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> so, so, you know, in the offseason, I'm going to write my memoirs, I think. I think that's what I think. Well, I so pretty much got too. you started this week, so. Yeah, it's true. Okay, so anyway, back to Kelly Bryant. People who say this this makes no sense and the whole Auburn thing about and then in Arkansas. Now, Arkansas, I get because he has a guaranteed, like, shot starting right away. Does he? Because I think Mizzou is where your, your cleanest, like, yeah. your, your easiest path is. Now, he could go to Auburn. He would be a nightmare in that offense. For Auburn, he, like for every other opposing team, but he, he would be incredible in that offense. But they're not. But that doesn't throw. do anything for him. Yeah. No, they well they don't. But like, and in that offense, I don't think he would need to. He's a very accurate quarterback, especially on the short throws. He's a really, really good. He's a really good quarterback. And you know, for for somebody, like, he, there was so much built around that offense around him at Clemson two years ago, that was he wasn't even able to like show his full capabilities because they were so worried about losing him because they didn't have a capable backup. Right. He's a really, really good quarterback. If he was at Auburn, you know why he's not going to Auburn? It's the system. Because there's no pro prospects. Yeah. There's there's no pro prospect to go. Like Jared Stidham has has hurt his draft stock this year, and it, it's honestly not even his fault because of the system that he was in, and you know this the just in a, inability to try to like stretch the field. I think this is a great fit for him. They have so much returning. They've I mean, and you look at the quarterbacks that the Mizzou's put out. I know that. I mean, James Franklin is one of those underrated quarterbacks in the last 10 years. Um, Blaine Gabbert was a first-round pick. People forget Blaine Chase Daniel, too. Yeah, and they had some backup to him that was also supposed to be a big pick. I forgot what it was. But, yeah, Chase Daniels went to Mizzou. Um, I, I think this is. I think they also have a lot of four-year starters. Yeah, they kind of do. They kind of do. This yeah. is a different a different chapter for for Mizzou. But we do we always do this thing where we overhype grad transfers and like, yeah. oh well, if they were so great, then why why weren't they starting? But Kelly Bryant could could make a difference in this conference, and he's going to be in the <laughs> SEC East, and you, right. you're not necessarily going to have to go through the gauntlet of facing facing Bama, facing LSU, and, and even I, facing I, Auburn. I mean, so dude, the the schedule they have for next year. They they have, they have West Virginia in week two, so everybody that's like freaking out now talking about how like why would you want to go there? They look the same. They're probably gonna have a worse record seven and five because they got to go to Georgia. That's a loss. Let's just call it what it is. That's that's a loss at at, at Sanford Stadium. They're gonna they'll beat Ole Miss, I would think. And this is way too early. But West Virginia, if you think West Virginia is gonna be really good next year, when Will Greer's gone, and maybe and maybe just throwing this out there. Maybe Dana Hogerson gone as well. Yeah, just saying, just saying. Yeah, I, I like it. I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm, you know, looking forward to seeing what he's able to do in Derek Dooley's offense. Mizzou got to be feeling good right now. Barry Odom is gonna yeah. get. He's gonna get that extension maybe by you know as soon as this week. I think it's coming. Um, I, I think that he's just on fire. And if he's able to win a bowl game and Drew Locke's last game, Drew Locke came out and said that he's playing in the bowl game no matter what against right. against Oklahoma State. We'll talk about that later, but. Barry Odom's feeling feeling really good right now, which he yeah. wouldn't have been a month ago. So, no, uh, he's, had, he's had a great he's had a great month. So let's let's talk about uh, some different quarterbacks. Heisman Trophy. We're gonna find out who wins this weekend, and it is a lot yeah. more intriguing than we once thought it was gonna be. Have you seen the odds? I saw that the odds have changed to now 
where wherein they they shut it down originally. They weren't taking any more bets on Tua. Now Kyler Murray is the favorite. So it, that amazes me that I didn't know it was an option. I didn't know it was an option at all that you could just cash out early. And we'll talk about that later. We'll give a shout out to one of our, our followers who sent us a pretty cool story. But Tua going from plus a thousand the beginning of the season to minus a thousand this season, minus five hundred, and then that's like a couple weeks ago, and now he is uh, an underdog. I I mean, it's wild. Good for Kyler. I'm gonna let you go over these. Uh, yeah. So these numbers. What I wanted to do was because I mean I would we could discuss you know who we think deserves it and all that stuff. I think both of us we've seen a lot more of Tua, so it's a lot easier for us to say Tua. And I'm not gonna sit here and 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 you know beat a dead horse about how great Tua is. We already know how great you know the accomplishments are, what he's been able to do right. against SEC defenses. I would give him the award just because I think what he's been doing is so atypical to see against SEC defenses. And to be doing it at Alabama, you know, high profile, all that. I'm not going to let the conference championship sway my opinion. But I was curious because if Tua does lose this, or whoever does lose this, we always talk about what this can mean for the runner-up. And I wanted to crunch some numbers on what runner-ups do in bowl games. If they are the quarterback and they come in second place in the Heisman Trophy voting, what do they do in the postseason? So three times in the 21st century... The runner-up was a quarterback who won it all, won the national championship. Can you name those quarterbacks? Uh, it's a runner-up in the national championship? No, no, no. Runner-up for the Heisman Trophy and went on to win the national championship. The quarterbacks? There's oh. one that's there's one that's very, very famous. Though I'll get you started. Um, the one that's famous is Vince Young. Vince Young loses to oh, Reggie yeah, Bush in 2005. One. Said that fired him up. Goes on to win the highs. Or goes on to win the national championship. So tonight. Tim Tebow in two thousand eight. No, that team won eight games. No, that was two thousand seven. He was the runner up, I would assume, in two thousand eight to Sam Bradford, who won the national championship. That is uh, that is that is incorrect. Tebow is not one of those. Wow. Who, just tell me who it is then, because. You... So uh, the runner up for um, two thousand. Go back all the way to two thousand. Josh Heupel. Chris Winkie, Josh Heupel. That's right, yeah. the lefty. Yeah. Uh, and then most recently, Deshaun Watson, 2016. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Sorry to bring that up one. To bring that up for you. Um, but so I thought that was interesting in itself. And Heisman runner-up QBs in bowl games are 7-3 in the 21st century. Right. So you might say, okay, well, yeah, of course. They're some of the best players in the country. Of course, they're going to be really good in bowl games. Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks, just the Heisman winners, are 7-9 and nine in bowl games. And if you just look at the playoff and national championships, they're 4-7. and seven. Isn't that kind of weird? Last three Heisman winning quarterbacks yeah. have lost bowl games. And that also includes, that technically includes Marcus Mariota, who won the semifinal game but then lost in the national championship to Ohio State. Baker Mayfield, I know it's not his fault that he lost, but his team ends up losing uh, in the Rose Bowl last year against, you know, against Georgia, of course. And then you had Lamar Jackson losing in a bowl game against LSU in the Citrus Bowl. So that, I think, is, is interesting to look at. And maybe there is something there. And if you're a Bama fan, you're holding on to that if Tua does lose. And if you're an Oklahoma no. fan, you're holding on to that if, if Kyler Murray loses. Maybe there is that little... We got to show this team that they, that right. they, they burned our guy. Texas players talked about how big of a point of pride that was with Vince Young. If you go back and watch that that thirty for thirty that they did on that great yeah. USC team and all that stuff, um, 
that, that they provided some good insight on that. And I, I think that's at least worth keeping in mind as we look at this game in the next few weeks. Well, yeah, and I think the thing is, I said this before, I said this on Saturday night, the, the best thing that could happen for Alabama fans is that Tua loses the Heisman. There's something to be said for it. It's, it has nothing to do with this record. I, I mean, it, I said this before you put these stats up, but there's something to be said for Tua losing the Heisman, having that chip on your shoulder, coming out. And so Colt McCoy, I remember when Colt McCoy lost to Mark Ingram in 2009, the first thing he said was he sent a text to his head coach or his OC. It wasn't Mac Brown, it was his OC. And he was like, game on. And was all fired up yep. because he, he thought it should have been his. Now, and he and he played, I mean, I don't know, he exited that game pretty Got early. Got hurt, yeah. His dad to the locker room. Um, anyway, so there is definitely something to be said for that in terms of the chip on your shoulder if you lose. I don't know if it... It, that's that's a weird stretch. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's that powerful that it would it would constitute that record. The that four we just and talked seven, about. four and that's seven. That's crazy. That's that's to me is, well, is something. Yeah. I mean Baker. Wow. Yeah. I'm, Baker. I mean that was a crazy game last year. It was, and, and, and that, you know you score forty eight points, you should be able to win. I mean let's let's. And be you honest. want you want to like make an excuse about it, but then also at the same time it's like he lost to a freshman. Yeah. I mean. These are just things. I, I was very curious because I didn't know what these what these were, um, but it's you know I mean you're 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 Alabama and you're sitting here at thirteen and zero. Everybody's talking about how great you are. You're a double digit favorite yeah. to win this game. Saban talks about wanting wanting whatever he can to motivate his team. I mean, right, right. You know he he doesn't want the rat poison. He doesn't want this. He doesn't no. want that. So I, I'm just saying. It's, it's an easy thing to play up in what's an awkward stretch of time where you're waiting an atypical uh, amount in between games, and you'll take whatever you can get. And if this is what Bama can get, I think that that's going to matter in that locker room. So, and, and I've, I've, that's what I was trying to mainly say. Is, and I, I don't, I don't want to – that's a great accomplishment for that kid. But so this takes me back to Friday night when we were talking with Will Ogburn, our uh, camera guy and, and friend. Uh, and he was talking about how, like, one of his friends is a Georgia fan, and he brought up like how badly they want to meet Bama. And he's like, "Dude, you don't want this. You don't want these problems. Like, you don't want these problems. Because <laughs> then you're gonna have to beat him twice, and Saban's gonna go out there and make eye contact with your mom and hand her flowers, and then destroy you in front of national, like a national audience, and like whatever it was he said. And I mean, I think part of that is true. Like, yeah, you, you, it is easier to win. When there's a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, when you have a little bit more motivation, it's easier to like motivate yourself. If two, so just looking big picture at this, Bama fans, just hear me out. I want Tua to win. I'm gonna celebrate if you. And wins. Bama fans should be excited if he wins, and they should be very fired up. He would be the first Bama quarterback to ever win season. the award. Great season. It would be an incredible accomplishment. Nobody's saying that you should be rooting against. Right. Him. Remember what I said before the season? I said there's no way you should put your money on Tua to win the Heisman because Bama quarterbacks don't win the Heisman. Right. So. <laughs> So if he if he wins, that's a great accomplishment for that kid and all that kind of stuff. However, if he doesn't, and he finally starts getting stuff that's not going his way, I mean, I'm sure he'll find out about it while he's... He probably won't even be at the ceremony. He'll probably be in the tent, probably be in the medical <laughs> tent somewhere. I'm sure he'll be walking down the red carpet. He'll trip. Something will happen. He'll be in the medical tent for the actual announcement. Yep. And, you know, and then it's game on. Then it's game on. And then you got, you got to defend against Tua for two games, let him win that national championship, and then spend an entire offseason trying to get better with all that talent around him. Dude, go Kyler. You talk, Kyler for Heisman. You have talked yourself into this. The odds are going to. I have. So hold on. Did we already go over the three times in the 21st century a Heisman winner won it all? 
Yeah. Oh, that's, I know that yeah, one. that's a good question. So name, name that, that one. one. Uh, Matt Leiner, Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram. No, this is it's quarterbacks. It's quarterbacks. Oh, you didn't say that. It just says three times in the 21st century. Oh, this is all quarterbacks. Yeah. Connor, there's someone drilling in the apartment next door. I don't know for oil or for what, but this. I, where do I live? You, I, 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 I miss most of this. Uh, you <laughs> named the first unbelievable. one. unbelievable. Can you name the second two? Matt Leinart was one of them. Correct. Um, Jameis Winston Correct. And was one. the most painful one of all. Deshaun Watson. Nope. Did he win the Heisman? Not in the same. Uh, he didn't win. Uh, no, he didn't Oh, God, mother... Oh, Cam Newton. Yep. Oh, anyway, but yeah. So that's um, that should be a fun weekend. I I'm I'm pulling for Kyler, for my own selfish reasons. Let me ask you a question. I'll I'll, I'll follow this up with a personal story. Um, what was your favorite Heisman memory? Whoa. I mean, of, of any winner. of any given Heisman winner in a in a year. I thought, I mean, you could go back to Desmond Howard doing the, you know, the Heisman pose. Is, is I meant like actual ceremony, though. Oh, Heisman ceremony. Yeah. This is going to sound bad, but Mark Ingram, how emotional he got that was in that cool, speech. Yeah. I, I'd say that one is, that one's at the top of my list. You're seeing the real raw emotion because the magnitude of this, and you could just, you kind of forget what it means to, to, to some people because we talk about it all year, and it's like, yeah. yeah, it's obvious that they're gonna get this trophy. And then they get up there, and they're holding it up, and they're like, holy crap, this is this is real. This thing. Uh, yeah, I'd probably put that one at the top. And I had no, you know, I'm not like a Bama fan or anything like that. I just thought that what he showed in that moment was about as real as it gets. Okay, so I'll give you my top 15. Oh, God. Um, no, not really. So 94 was cool because there was like seven different people that were invited. Warren Sapp was there. Jay Barker was there. Jay Barker finished fifth. I named my dog after him. Uh, the winner was Rashawn Salam, I think, rest, 94. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, yeah. So I, and I think I could still do it. I think I could list off every single Heisen winner from, nights, from like 1991 on. Um, Good alert. Actually, probably 85. But anyway, so he had, there was like seven people. Warren Sapp was there. Steve McNair from Alcorn State was there. Ooh, also that was pretty cool, yeah. Um, let's see another one here. So the one I remember most, the one I remember most was 1997. And I remember, this is just another, uh, uh, it might mean too much, when Charles Woodson was named over Peyton Manning. This is the most talented group of Heisman winners in terms of NFL success Dude, of all time. Randy Moss, Charles Woodson, Peyton Manning. How crazy is that? It's unbelievable. I, re- I sprinted down the, the carpeted stairs at 5026 Brittany Drive in Stone Mountain, Georgia, Screaming my head off because I was so happy that Peyton Manning didn't win. Little did I know that I would go on to love all of his jingles at Allstate or nationwide. Um, that was probably my favorite one, to be honest. That one. 99 was one of my least favorites because I hated Ron Dane and 2000 with Chris Winkie. That's pretty much all I got. All right. That was, that was good. That was good little. 98 was cool with Ricky Williams. Little time capsule. Uh, that, was, that was fun. Uh, Oh, 92 with Gino Toretta. And then he went on to throw three interceptions in the national championship game. You're right. Heisman quarterbacks suck. The odds are going to shift in this one probably up until the announcement. Let's talk about our friends over at MyBookie because we have some bowl games to get to um, that we're going we're gonna to do our own rankings for. But uh, yeah. I imagine there are a lot of people who are going to be having some, having some gambling fun come this postseason with all well, these bowl games. Something that has gone un- just unsaid or unnoticed we have not done a very good job of of bragging or patting myself on the back and that is uncle chris is on fire i ended the season what 10 and 3 
ten and three on rivalry week, seven and two in the SEC. Um, last week I went three and zero in my picks. I'm killing it right now. So I'm having a lot of fun getting some extra Christmas money rolling in. Maybe Bay's getting that Peloton we were talking about last week. I don't know. We'll see. Regardless. Make sure you're making some money this December as well. Go over to our friends at mybookie.com. We use them for, I use them. Connor's not as much of a gaming man, but I use them for everything. Uh, There are prop bets. There are, they paid me out on the Mike Gundy mullet bet. Think about that sentence I just said. And if you use the promo code STS, they will match your initial deposit up to 100%. It could not be easier. Uh, also, you can use the promo code STS25. They will ma- if After 7 p.m., they will match your initial deposit and throw you an extra $25. Who couldn't use an extra $25 to gamble on maybe a parlay or maybe the Army-Navy game or maybe you got a six-way teaser with uh, the WNBA and the NBA and if Steph Curry has over four and a half assists or if... I don't know. Elijah Holyfield has over 75 yards rushing. These are all possibilities. There's so many options. Like kid in a candy store, but with gambling. Um, so make sure you go to mybookie.com today. Is there a, a my, is there a prop bet for how many times they show DeAndre Swift's dad in a given game? Uh, not enough, for, first off. Yeah. I mean, not enough. So I do want to give a shout-out to, since we're talking about mybookie, I want to give a shout-out to one of our listeners, Tommy O'Rourke. Now, Tommy... Ooh, fellow Irishman. Yeah, okay. we got the old um, apostrophe going. He's from Alabama, so I'm, I'm assuming he's not Irish. He's probably... What? what? Just... Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's, so what I met saying? Tommy... <laughs> I met Tommy via the internet, which is, sounds safe. Um, no, so Tommy's one of my favorite people that follows us because he messaged me on Facebook one time, and he's like, just got it. Check this out. And it was like a box of Texas Pete. And I was like, what are you doing, sir? Uh, and he's like, listen to the podcast. Just like, I forgot how much I love Texas Pete. And he lives in Australia, so he can't get it. So Tommy is like our probably our furthest listener. He's 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 literally listening to this in the future. He was texting me last That's night, cool. <laughs> and he was saying, he's like, what time are y'all recording? And I was like, 10 a.m. tomorrow. We usually record at 2 p.m. And he's like, okay, cool. So midnight a.m. here. And I was like, well, I don't know if that's a thing. What is? That? I mean, he it was it was when he was texting me. It was Wednesday. At like 2 p.m. Ooh, so he could tell you, he could do the Marty McFly thing, tell you about yeah. the stuff in the future. That's cool. He's like 16 hours ahead, which is only like eight hours from being behind. That's... Is that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> Think about that. So anyway, um, no, he's, he's a good guy. So he he took uh, heed, I guess, to some... Is that the right way to phrase it? I'm not great with words today. This coffee has not done anything for me. Um, Tommy made a bet early in the season on with my bookie, our friends at my bookie. And he made a parlay, five-way parlay, okay, um, based off of our over-under season win totals. He made this on August 25th uh, of this year, okay? Alabama, over 11 regular season wins, won that. Clemson, over 10 and a half regular season wins. I told everyone that Clemson and Georgia, regular, like the over and their uh, season totals was the best two bets you could make. He hit that one. Alabama wins the SEC Conference Championship game. Got that one. Oklahoma, Big 12 Conference Championship game for the fourth time in a row. Got that one. And Tua Tungavailoa wins the Heisman. So my man Tommy O'Rourke from Australia had $50 to win a potential $5,313.54 if Tua wins the Heisman. Luckily, he was able to cash out this weekend. Nice. He just won twenty five hundred bucks. He's getting married. He's getting married in the spring. He won twenty five hundred bucks. 
So shout out to my man Tommy O'Rourke. Pretty cool deal. Hey man, um, way to go, Tom. Yeah. So it, I, and if you guys have any more stories like this of your if bets that you that we told you about that you made money on, um, so there you go. He said, "Hey to Connor for me and keep up the effing great work, lads." Roll Tide from Australia. We're gonna get a cut of that, um, Tommy. It's a little three uh, percent, so, <laughs> you know. Not asking yeah. much. Um, but no, if you guys have any if you, big wins like that, especially bowl season, and I think we talked about this, and I guess I'm just going to go ahead and say we're going to do it. Let's just do a bowl mania challenge with our listeners. Yeah, let's get that going. I'll set up something. We'll put, out, we'll put it out on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. But let's do it with you guys. Um, we love interacting with you guys. You guys are great. I don't care how many people do it. Um, we'll figure out something to give away. Uh, we got koozies and stuff. Uncle Chris's. Yeah, we there. can say it, Uncle Chris's. Probably sounds pretty cool. Um, no? Okay. No. But so we'll uh we'll set that up and we'll just do like a little, you know, little SDS pod challenge um and see who has the, the best picks for the bowls. Now, that being said, my man Connor O'Gara, the national senior columnist for two websites, and his degenerate gambling, Bud Light drinking Uncle Chris. We're gonna give you a little pre-preview. Little pre-pre, alright? For the that sounds bad. Of the bowl rankings for the SEC. It's not based on who we think is going to win, which I didn't understand at all. Yeah, you were having a really <laughs> difficult time understanding this. All I asked you to do was say, rank the bowl games in the SEC based on your excitement level. And I had explained like, it to you like three or four different... My job is to come up with creative content for stuff. And you're telling me like, all right, here's the content we're going to do. All you have to do is put a number based on your excitement level next to the bowl. And I was like, that don't make no sense, man. I kid you not. About, we got to pick these games? And he's like, no, idiot. Like, what are you doing? No, we're not picking games. <laughs> we're not saying which one, who's got the best teams. We're... It was like four in the afternoon. I was sober. And so today, I little little peek behind the onion here. I text you, hey, just give me your, your bowl ranks. We'll come up with our consensus excitement ranks. So what do you do? You take a picture of your notes that you write down that has nothing to do with rankings. It just has At random all. notes. And it's it's a it's the nickname that I gave all the bowls. <laughs> it has nothing to do with what you said. All right, so we're gonna rank SEC bowl games based on excitement level, and we're gonna give them a new name because the names that they came up with for all these bowl games, they're tired, they're old, except for the Red Box yeah. Bowl. Other than that, there's a Red Box Bowl. Yeah. Oh, it's it's the real it, deal. It, that usually goes away, so it's fine. It's a little trendy. Um, yeah. Okay, so starting off number eleven. This is our, keep in mind, these are consensus ranks. I had this at number nine. Marler had this at number 10. But it is our last ranked. We are least excited about this game. There you go. Texas A&M, NC State. It's the Gator Bowl. And it's not just because, you know, I know a lot of Aggie fans. We got we got the, the hate in that five-star review uh, about not giving Aggie fans enough well, love. It was fair. It was, I disagree just with that. Just move on. But uh, NC State receiver Kelvin Harmon isn't playing in this game. He's their leading receiver. This game is also at 7:30 p.m. on New Year's Eve. Why? I have what is it really? Yeah, yeah. It's I, always in a. It's always a 1:30 kick. Right? Why is it 7:30 right next to the? That's so stupid. So God, they do a bad job with this. I don't. Guy. I don't know why they did that. Um, actually, fun fact: I'd probably be covering this game. I'd probably make the drive up to Jacksonville to be there if not for this being at 7:30 p.m. on New Year's Eve. So that's that's terrible. That's weird. So that and that hurts. It's called the TaxSlayer.com Gator Bowl. Well, they trade. They changed to just the Gator Bowl. No, they didn't. It's the Tax Slayer Gator, Gator Bowl. They, didn't they, I thought they just changed it to the Gator Bowl. They took you out the Tax Slayer part. You think that they would miss the opportunity to have 
an actual sponsor for this. I thought TaxSlayer decided, you know what? Nah, we can't do that anymore. I don't Tax know. Slayer definitely still needs as much pub as possible, especially going into uh, tax season. Just, guys, use my guy. It's not going to pay off in the long run. Well, this, but anyway. Is this going to be the lowest level bowl game that Jimbo Fisher coaches in at A&M? No. Do you think he's going to have a worse bowl game than this? The Gator Bowl is not bad. I know, the that's Gator what I'm Bowl's saying. The Gator Bowl is not a bad bowl. No, I think he'll have a worse bowl. Okay. He'll definitely, he'll be in the Music City Bowl in like next year. Right. What's, um, let's get a new name for this, this game. The Kevin Cosner Dancing with Wolves Bowl. It's a, you know that, you, you probably don't know that movie. So when I was little, we only that had movie. four movies. I've seen, you know I, I haven't seen that movie, but I Jeez. know that movie. Oh my gosh. It is, it, it is, it goes on and on and on. It's like the Narcos theme song. It's terrible. Um, Kevin Cosner dancing with wolves because the wolf pack, obviously, and then dancing because all those boas down in Aggieland always holding hands and holding shoulders and swaying back and forth together. So the Kevin Cosner dancing with wolves bowl. That was from Bay. All right. That was, that was Atlas. I like that. So, I like moving that. on. I like it now more that I know that she came up with it and not you. Yeah. Um, she, had one, she had one or two good ones. We got a four-way tie for number seven <laughs> on our list. I, I kid you not. So, I had this as my dead last one, my least excited. You had this all the way at number five. So, yeah. we kind of split the difference here. It's the Belk Bowl, South Carolina and Virginia. And I put it dead last because Debo Samuel's not playing in this game. He's skipping it. It's a pair of seven-win teams with third-year coaches, and it's not at the same time as the as the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. So, sorry, but I'm not just I'm just not getting fired up to watch South Carolina, Virginia. I know last year's Buck Bowl was super entertaining with Wake Forest it is. and AM. I know it's it's usually an entertaining game, but I don't know. Just so here's the thing: can't get excited for it. Let me tell you why you're wrong. And I so Connor has this at 11, very dead last. I have it at five. Yeah. And the reason why is this. I know Debo Samuel's out. Jake Bentley's been playing really well at quarterback. Yeah, that, that, this, that these two teams so are so evenly matched. They're so evenly matched. This is going to be like a 23-20, a 20-16. It'll probably be raining for no reason. Like, it'll be sunny outside, but it'll still be raining. Like, this this has that written all over it, like a sloppy muck fest. Um, I'm excited for this game, to be honest. I think I think it'll be entertaining. Also, if you're not following the Belk Bowl on Twitter, you are missing out. You think I'm funny? That guy rules, or that girl, whoever's doing it. They're really funny. Um, Plus, the mannequin. Like, the, the, what do you call it? The mascot for the Belk Bowl. You know who it is. Do you just confuse mannequin and mascot? Yeah, because Barrett's Lee looks like a belt mannequin, and he's going to be out there. That's going to be the mascot for the bowl. There, I said it. Boom. We'll move past Um, that. All right. (laughs) Moving on. So, listen, this is the new name for it. You ready? Yeah, yeah. The new name for this bowl, it's not the Belk Bowl, it's the Mint Julep at a Sandals in Savannah Bowl. These two, these two states, so southern. So southern, you gotta you gotta not say the Oz when you say South Carolina and Virginia. Locking got my lashes in your mouth. There you go. Alright. Let's go to the Texas Bowl. That is also tied for seventh, technically. Vandy and Baylor, I'm surprised that you had this at six. I had this at number 10, so our consensus rank uh, puts this uh, as a tie for seventh. If we were going to see Jalen Hurd in this game, yes, Jalen Hurd, not Jalen Hurts, former Tennessee running back, now Baylor receiver, maybe it'd be a little bit higher, but he's not playing in this game. He had a knee procedure done. We will, however, get to see Red Mamba and the Shermanator. I'm trying that um, out. Just trying it on. Yeah. That's <laughs> So much. So I. So here's. I don't. Bowl games don't matter, right? Can we just agree on that? Bowl games don't. Do. They don't Some matter. Do. Sure. Okay. 
So for the most part, they don't matter, especially now when you have players that are going to be out. All, if you're watching a bowl game, the only reason you're watching it is because you're just trying to soak up that last bit of joy in your life before like January hits, and there's no college football for nine months. So you want to see a good game. That's why the Alamo Bowl and the Holiday Bowl are the best games every year. I don't care who's in it. Who was in the Holiday Bowl last year? No idea. Probably Oregon and BYU. Washington State, Michigan State, and it was like a 17. It was a boring game. It was a really boring game. Usually it's like BYU and Oregon or Stanford or somebody, and it's like, well, yeah, it's just coming down to the wires, 38-37. It's an incredible game. Same with the Alamo Bowl, except for last year. Sure. Like, was that the Texas Bowl? Regardless, I I think this will be, a, a again, evenly matched. I think, I think, honestly, if I was putting money – on an SEC team to win a bowl game, it might be this one where my confidence Whoa. level is the most with Vanderbilt. Yeah, I think this is a I think it's a good matchup for Vanderbilt. I really like that. I think they're a five point favorite. Um, they're they're a four point favorite. Four. Okay, that's why it says in the notes. This is, oh, you, I didn't put that in there. Never mind. Damn it. Yeah, this is on your. It's in the picture notes. I sent you. My handwritten notes. Gosh. Um, so I'm gonna call this bowl the Fixer Upper Bowl. Yes. Obviously, because Baylor's in Waco, Chip and Joe. It's one of my you know guilty pleasures. Um. So fixer-upper, because like there's no better way to describe the entire Vanderbilt program. So there's that. Remember, I'm, I'm excited about this one. Do you remember? It's also here. This is why you're missing out on this. Last thing. It's the first SEC bowl game. So you're going to talk about, like, there are going to be bowl games starting December 15th. We don't get any SEC football until December 27th when they play. All right. God, I'm so good at this game. Remember that time that uh, I asked Tim Tebow about that episode of fixer-upper he was on? No. Uh, all right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> this one is also tied for seventh. It's the Liberty Bowl. I was a little bit higher on this than you were. I had this at seven. You had this at nine. Mizzou and Oklahoma State. You've got Drew Locke against a bad Big 12 defense. I know last year he struggled against Texas in the in the Texas Bowl. Whatever. Different, yeah. Um, you've got Drew Locke against a bad Big 12 defense in his last game, and you've got Mike Gundy's mullet, which impresses Drew Locke. He admitted that. What more do you want? Oh, it's going to be entertaining from that standpoint. Like, I would I would go to, if I was going to this bowl game, I would go to, this is on a what day? I don't know. But if it's on a Saturday, I'm talking, I'm going to Memphis Thursday, Friday. Don't give a blank about the actual game itself. I'm going to, first, you know what happened in this game last year when Iowa State was there? Ooh. One of my favorite sentences I've ever read. Iowa State fans drank out Jerry the King right. Lawler's barbecue restaurant completely dry of bush light. What? I mean, like, think, and if you think Mizzou is not going to be, like, just trying to just go above and beyond that goal, I mean, the bar's been set. Let's, let's, let's get it going, Mizzou fans. M-I-Z. Nelly Bryant. All right, so. This game's on New Year's Eve, by seven. the way. Uh, is it really? It's New Year's Eve afternoon, There's... though. It's But it's at 345, so it's before it you matter. do. Is there a pass-out gate? See, that's one thing, too. Mizzou fans don't like about being the SEC, besides all the hate. There's no pass-out gates in the games anymore. I, how do you feel about this, by the way? How do you feel about, like, the, the Liberty Bowl and the Independence Bowl always confuse me, which mm-hmm. is which. Yeah, too well, How do you feel games. about Mizzou constantly getting locked up with a Big 12 opponent? I think there's a reason for that. Yeah, do you like that, though? I don't... I, I mean, for Mizzou, I guess it's okay. Just in general. I have no problem with it. You, re- you do it because, I mean, the, they, they set these things up hoping that a matchup can have some sort of history. If there's any sort of right. pass with, with two programs, all the better. That's why Florida and Michigan play each other every six weeks. We should go to that game. Uh, it's a busy day. It's a busy day. Um, we'll get to that later. Um, Justice Hill, because it's New Year's Day. 
It's when every Eve. Eve. Don't lie to me. The Peach Bowl? <laughs> Liberty Bowl. Oh, the Liberty Bowl. Oh, yeah. New Year's about. Eve is yeah, also kind of a busy day in college football world. Um, Justice Hill is not going to be playing in this game. Um, just, just saying. Justice Hill is such a strong name. Isn't it? Ah, name your kid Justice. sounds like every actor on the CW. Okay. I don't. I, I got nothing for that. Let's let's move on to our other our other game that's in a, a four way tie for seventh okay. place. And this is this is all me um, because you're a hater. This is so stupid. You have the Outback Bowl as your number eleven, your dead last game that you are most that you're yeah, at least excited about process. Mississippi State and Iowa. And here's why you're wrong. Joe Moorhead starts in the top half. No matter so what, stupid. no matter who he's That's playing against. Anybody that calls me a homer and listens to this, you better have the same kind of, you better bring that same energy to Connor with this bullcrap. No, on the Alabama homer. No, I will say this: I am, I am excited about this game because I'm excited to see Nick Fitzgerald's final college game. I think him getting a nice send off and getting to see him battle a really good defensive line, a defensive line that's loaded with NFL talent. That's what Iowa does. And Iowa always has an offensive line. Iowa always has an offensive line, but Iowa also pukes on its shoes when it gets to Florida. When Iowa crosses, you know, like I, I have this saying, when Iowa plays a, a home game at night, they're the best team in college football. When Iowa yeah. crosses the border and goes into the state of Florida, they're an FCS team. They are that bad. They get smoked. They've gone to three, their last three bowl games that have been in the state of Florida have been against SEC teams, different SEC teams. They lost every one of them. They went to the Rose Bowl against Stanford. Christian McCaffrey ran for like 8,000 yards against them. Whenever whenever Iowa goes into warm weather places, they get killed. Last year, they- Heisman runner-up that year. Yeah. Some people say you should have won it. Last year, Iowa gets a bowl game in New York, in the Pinstripe Bowl. And what happens? Oh. Iowa wins a bowl game. But when they go to warm weather places, they're terrible. So Mississippi State no. has a very good chance to win this. Mississippi State has a good chance offensively to get get, get Nick Fitzgerald going. They're, they're going to get the ground game going, I think, that as well. Um, but these two teams should be playing in a blizzard. That's that's pretty much what I think. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, I mean, like the only reason this is tolerable for my eyeballs is it's Nick Fitzgerald's final game. And that's like kind of cool to send him off. Like, like you, you put it in the notes. You were like, as of right now, Simmons and and uh, Montez Sweat are gonna play. Noah Fant won't. Like, if you're if you're trying to sell me on Iowa's offense, I don't know why I thought it wouldn't be because of a tight end that's gonna have an NFL like big NFL draft stock. But like, that's not the best way to sell me on it. I wasn't like, trying. You, did you? Did I, I say one thing about the Iowa offense? No, no. I'm not. Say, I didn't mean to say you personally. I'm saying like. When, when you talk about Iowa, like, the first thing I've read is, like, dude, their tight end's not going to play. So, I mean, you gotta, you got to ask yourself, like, what does that do to the offense? Like, I don't know. Keeps it as boring and miserable to watch as before. Funny. The only thing that I want to see in this game is if I'm right, because I haven't seen a single Iowa game, I think, for most of the year, is if their quarterback is wearing number five or number 12. Is he? No, Nate Stanley's number four. Oh, so close. Yeah, you were pretty so close. close. All right, let's go to number six. Oh, oh no, re- rename this bowl, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna rename this bowl. Um, this and this game should be played in, played in Shreveport. This like it's not even a question. This should be like the Shreveport Visitors Bureau Bowl because this is miserable. This sounds ugh, gross. Anyway, what I gave it to was the Siesta Bowl, not Fiesta. The Siesta Bowl presented by Melatonin because it's gonna be a naparoo. Also, I thought it was at 1:30 like it always is, and I was gonna fall asleep. This is what at 11 a.m. Something like that. You're a hater. Uh, let's go on to the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. This is 
unreal. Florida and Michigan. I had this game ranked number four. You had it at number eight. So this comes in at number six. And I am so, 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 so upset. Return of the Mac. Jim McElwain is going to the Mac. And he took the Central Michigan job, which means that we do not get to see him have a reunion with Florida, which breaks my freaking heart. It does. It really does. Had this game had that element, maybe it's number two, number three. Just throwing that out there. I'm interested in this game because, yes, these teams have played. This will be the third time that they've played in the last four years. But it's a very different game with Dan Mullen coaching as opposed to Jim McElwain. Dan Mullen's offense against Down Brown's defense is worth watching. Michigan still has enough guys on the defensive on the defensive side. I know they just got smacked by Ohio State, and I know Rashawn Gary's not playing in this game. But they still have enough guys defensively where this is going to be interesting. These are still two really good teams that are playing for something. At least I think they're playing for something. No, they're not. Playing for the first New Year's Six Bowl victory of the playoff era. Just saying. I think it matters a little bit and from, from that standpoint. It's just down the road from you. You're not you're not excited for this one? No, not at all. This I so I nicknamed this one the Deja Boo Bowl. Because who cares? How many times do we have to see this matchup? Who cares? Third time. It is I mean, like, I'm so over this game. It, I swear to God, if they come out in those stupid all orange and all yellow uniforms too. Like they did I'm, last year. I'm gonna call them outfits the whole time if they do. It, I mean there's no part of this game that is aesthetically pleasing at all. You have a, supposedly, a really good defense at Michigan, and then you have Florida, who's who's done better. What are you hating on I, Florida for? They won nine games. I'm just, I, and who said they were going to cover that eight? Start of the year. All right. Boom. I was reading back through some old... I went to Hate Town last night. And you was reading did. Through some of our old, some of our old texts, and or not old texts, our old uh, mentions. And somebody was like, "These idiots talking about Florida getting to a nine ten win season." I didn't say like, that. <laughs> I said Florida's ceiling was eight game, was eight wins. So yeah, I said nine or ten. Shout out to you. Um, and then they got mad that we also said they wouldn't beat Georgia. So pretty much spot on with that one. Sort of. I, I'm I'm not watching this because I don't care. The Chick Fil A Bowl usually sucks, to be honest. Um, I will say this. I'm proud of them for finally picking two teams, like you said, that may actually care about being there and not like, you know, having, oh, you just got broken up with? Here, come here. Come here. I'm going to put you right back on that chopping block. Let's just, like, last year with, like, putting Auburn in this game or the year before when they had Florida State, or two years ago when they had Florida State and Houston, the year before that it was, like, TCU and Ole Miss. I mean, the, the amount of, like, dejected misery that comes from this game. Do you remember the story like four years ago when that that drunk old Miss fan left the game because they were down like 42 to 6 and took an Uber from Atlanta back to Oxford and it cost him like $950. He Worth passed it. out in the back seat. Worth it. <laughs> Just like got crushed. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that the Chick-fil-A Bowl matters, but whatever. Number five, Music City Bowl. You are way higher on this game than I am, and I'm surprised by that. I had this game at number eight. You had this game at number three. Jared Stidham's not is is going to be maybe playing in this game. Maybe he's not playing. He declared for the NFL draft, as we said earlier. Yeah. Auburn offensive coordinator Chip Lindsey is going to Kansas to work for Les Miles. Good for you, Les. Big time hire. Um, so I'm curious why you are you so high left on this for game. Gu- you got left for Les Miles. <laughs> Gus Malzahn's offense got left for less miles. Think about that for a second. Go on. All right. I'm sorry. No, tell me why you got this game at number three. I so because I think it's interesting. First off, Gus Malzahn's one and four. 
By the way, just to revisit this, the Chick-fil-A Bowl was always better when it started at 7.30 on New Year's Eve and would end right at midnight. I don't care how long the game was, but when it was like Georgia-Virginia going to overtime every year, that was the best. Anyway, this game, Music City Bowl is pretty fun, usually. It's usually pretty evenly matched. Nashville's an awesome town. I love the setting. It's like a cold game. Sometimes you get some snow flurries, which is kind of cool. Um, I think this is a good matchup. And I, I'm really interested to see where Auburn what they do in this game in terms of I always say this like it's always a positive thing about their fans is they could be seven and five they could be 11 and 0 or 12 and 0 and their fans at the same time like I'm just so excited like we're just doing such a great job I'm so proud of the team they're great fans I I wonder if the team takes on that kind of attitude and personality as in in, if they show up for this game because Purdue is going to this is a this is this is easy it's easier for Purdue to get up for this game than it is for Auburn. To go pr- out there and prove people wrong, as for what happened last year against UCF, they have the same color scheme for Purdue, so that's something to think about, bro. Okay. Yeah, that's totally a point, something that matters. Um, I, I, I was lower on this game because the Auburn offense is just brutal to watch, and I'm not excited to watch you know another game that Gus Malzahn is, is, is operating and um, make Jared Siddham throw swing passes. I'm just not pumped for that. Sorry. But I am, however, always excited to see Jeff Brom's offense because the dude runs like three or four trick plays a game. Rondell Moore is as electric as any player in the country. He just won the Paul Horning Award as the most versatile player in college football. He's a freshman. A freshman at Purdue just won the most versatile player in the country. What year is it? Um, Rondell Moore is fun to watch. I'm excited to see what he can do against an SEC defense. But, yeah, the Auburn offense to me is just like, ugh. So that's, that's why I was a little bit lower on that one. What is this game renamed? All right, earmuffing kids. The Plan B, Broken Dreams Bowl. <laughs> like... If you're, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's so bad. So I asked you the other day, why is this Plan B for Purdue? And you said, Connor, Plan B is what women take when they don't want to get pregnant after having sex tonight. The, the, the oh, day you after. I just laid it out there. I just laid it out there for all you, for all those. More like Plan know. A, am I right, boys and girls? And I, no, and okay. I said, why? What's Purdue's like? Why is this Plan B for Purdue? And you, ex, you explain this to me. As if I'm not like a 28-year-old human being. I didn't know, Connor. You're a good person. Goodness I don't feel like gracious. you've ever had to make that trip to CVS. It's not fun. It's the opposite of this game. So regardless, we're moving on. Yeah, we're just going to move um, on. We're just going to punt I, I think I, the reason why is because, oh, yeah, Auburn had some some shattered dreams from their preseason expectations. And Purdue is responsible for, for making Urban Meyer retire. All right, that's that's a better point. A better point. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go on to – we have a tie at number three. A tie for number three. Yeah. I was not as high on this as you were. Uh, it's the Sugar Bowl. Georgia and Texas. I had this game only at number six. You had it at number four, so you're a little bit higher. But You have it behind Mississippi State and Iowa, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I do, and here's why. Because when you have two teams that lost conference title games, these devastating losses, you never know how they're going to get amped up. What does this game mean for Texas? What does this game mean for Georgia? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sold on the belief that Georgia is... is really going to be fired up for this one. I know they have a very young team, and that's worth watching, but when you lose like that in the SEC championship, I don't know. I just I feel like this game is either going to be not that inspiring or Georgia's just going to win by 30. Yeah, this one's tough. I, I really That's the only reason I thought I had it ranked so high. Plus, this, this is cool in terms of – this is going to sound so dumb, but we're going to go back to the uniforms thing. I, and I wish they, should do, they would do this with more teams. 
They should let both teams wear their home uniforms in more bowl games. What kind of communist crap is that? I don't know. It's awesome. Like, the Texas uniforms and Georgia uniforms are awesome. I know, but on the same field? Nah. I, I mean, I think it would be cool. Anyway, regardless, um, I, I think, I mean, these are two national brands. Texas is more of a national staying power, and I swear to God, if Georgia fans come at me for that, I'm, I'm going to lose it. But Texas has more of a, what's the best way to put this, career resume uh, from their program. I think, obviously, Georgia's a better program now. I think this will be really interesting to see, and we, who was it that wrote about it on Monday, or was it on Tuesday, with now's the first time Kirby doesn't want to be like Alabama in terms of what it means to play the whole game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and so, and the good news is, like, when you have, when you have, this, I forgot who brought this up. This is, well, let's just say I did. Um, when you have, like, in, in, the, in a season where you have, like, you lose a lot of older talent, it's harder for you to, like, motivate those kids. This shouldn't be that hard because they're such a young roster. Right. Yeah. That, that shouldn't be a problem. I, I would tend to think that that'll be pretty easy from a, from a, a selling standpoint, you just never know. You just never yeah. know after losing a game like that how a team's going to respond. Um, what do we have for Sugar Bowl's a pretty classic name, so you better be careful. Can't spell with sugar without UGA. Oh, well, yeah, you can because it happens all the time. Uh, the Kardashian Bowl. Very popular, very in the limelight. Also, two fan bases that have really overvalued themselves in the past couple weeks. UGA. I did everything I could to apologize and, and, and go to bat for you. And the response that I got on Twitter and, uh, and, and other stuff was <laughs> hurtful and mind-blowing. So the Kardashian Bowl is what this one gets. Love you guys. Other game tied for number three on our list. I am higher on this than you are the Citrus Bowl. I have this at number three. You have it at number seven. And I think if you just look at this matchup and think, we got to watch the Kentucky offense against Penn State. All right. Doesn't really move the needle. What does this game really mean? Uh, I, I think because it's not a New Year's Six Bowl, I do think this game actually means something for both programs who want to get to that 10-win mark. Yeah. They want to get to the 10-win mark. And it's one of my, one of the best individual matchups we're going to get in the postseason is Josh Allen against Trace McSorley. Josh Allen, who's what? racking up the hardware right now and getting all these defensive awards. Trace McSorley is one of the most accomplished quarterbacks in the country. He's a three-year starter who has... Basically every Penn State passing, you know, rushing touchdown record that he can have. One more game to see him. He's been a very fun player to watch throughout his college career. And oh, by the way, Snell, yeah, one more time, one more time, Benny Snell. He's a junior. I know, but he's probably going pro. Come on, let's be honest. I'm assuming. I'm assuming that. But Benny Snell's taking um, like a billion hits in his career. Oh, oh and by so, the way, one last point. It's in my backyard. So that's what I was about to say. That, yeah, so when bias. you said that, that makes it more desirable for me to watch i guess because i've so maybe i'll just just come down just show up because you can drink at this bowl game yeah you can drink at pretty right? much every bowl game can't you really yeah well, i kind of i might need to re-rank some this of these regular that, season that, sec that peach, game well that peach bowl just went up a little bit in my book um it's right down the street yeah th this is cool and that's like that seems kind of like a cool stadium we filmed the texas pete stuff from there the neighborhood's not so great but the stadium no itself, that neighborhood is not great yeah <laughs> it's not, not great, great don't want to be on the west side of uh of the citrus bowl west side? yeah um, uh this is going to be called the maxim magazine blue bowls ball bowl we got to move on yeah let's just move on because they both they really both teams <laughs> you thought you were going to get more out of them we gotta go all right yeah I, I've, I've done it orange bowl we both had this at number two, Alabama, Oklahoma. 
you think, yeah, it's the only game that features a playoff team, or, or it's the only playoff game that an SEC team is in. Why isn't this number one? First, obviously we're excited about Kyler versus Tua. Fantastic yeah. matchup. The two Heisman Trophy favorites, it's going to be great. We didn't even really talk a whole lot about the fact that it's Lincoln Riley against Nick Saban. That in itself is going to be awesome, too. But the reason that I don't have this at number Lincoln one is... Riley is my age. It's so defeating. That's really, really funny, actually. Um, the reason that I don't have this at number one is because I think this this game could easily get lopsided. I think if Bama gets off it to will. one of these 21 nothing leads early on, we end up thinking, oh, man... <laughs> This isn't even fun watching Bama just up three it touchdowns the entire second half. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know if it gets off to 21 nothing, but Bama will beat them by 20 points. It won't be close. With or without um, Mike Loxley, who is, you know, just took the Maryland so job. So that pisses me off and on a whole other thing. We didn't even talk about that. It, I'm, so, it's just, I'm so tired of going into national championship prep without one of your coordinators being completely focused. It's just, we can't. Ugh. First world problems, yeah. It so makes me so mad. Whatever. And it, regardless, I think it's fine. Um... I'm not worried at all because I don't think... I mean, if you're giving up 40 points to Kansas, we're going to put up 60 on you. So I, I'm not really worried about that. I think Bama probably dominates them. I, and I also, again, I think Kyler wins that, that Heisman, and then it just lights a fire under these people's behinds. Are we allowed to say this word for this game? I don't know. You just talked about blue balls, so I think we're pretty much... <laughs> blue bowls. Blue bowls. My bad. My bad. Because That was also Allie's. I'm throwing her under the bus on that one. Jeez. Um... This is the Liam Neeson Paybacks a Bitch Bowl. <laughs> don't know if we could say that one, but uh, yeah. Well, I put it in the picture I sent you. The Paybacks in the, in a Blank Bowl. Of, of those it, chicken it. scratch ah! notes. <laughs> Falling apart. All right, number one. This was consensus. A unanimous number one game that we are most excited about. LSU, UCF, in the Fiesta oh, Bowl. Yes. We cannot wait to see the reigning undefeated national champions. I'll kill you. Play it against LSU. We, we're finally going to get to see UCF play against a motivated SEC team. We get to kind of squash this debate once and for all, potentially. I know UCF is going to have the out of, oh, Mackenzie Milton's not playing. Oh, I can oh, Get I, ready for it. Get ready for it. But here's what I am excited for, because I think this has potential to be a down-to-the-wire game. I, I really do. And I think mm-hmm. that given LSU's defense is... is Going to be without a lot of key pieces, but Devin White's playing in this game. Daisy May's going to be on the sideline. It's going to be <laughs> great. Um, LSU was motivated to play and win this game, first New Year's Six Bowl of the playoff era. They want to get that 10th win. We've talked about all that. They want to shut down this narrative. I, I, I think that that's going to be a point of pride in that locker room. And social media leading up to this game and during this game is going to be so great. The amount of trolling God. that's going to go on. Danny White's. I'm bringing up my best. Danny White's tweets during this game are going to be fantastic. I know you are going to be on top of the social media game. It's going to be one of those fun games to sit there and watch and watch the the overreactions to every single touchdown. I'm excited. For I am all going that. to buy myself a fur coat and a top hat and sit cross-legged this entire damn game and just absolutely pimp myself out on Twitter and social media and and just these peasants, these peasants from from Orlando. I can't wait. Whoa, I absolutely whoa, cannot whoa. wait. Not you. I'm talking specifically to UCF fans. Okay, good. I am so excited for them to just get what's coming. I don't care if McKenzie Milton's out. I, it doesn't matter. You don't get built-in excuses just like the SEC didn't get them last year. I said this over a month ago. This is the best possible matchup for any team in the SEC against UCF, besides maybe Georgia, because 
Uh, Ed Orgeron. Ed Orgeron will be able to come in here. Yeah, George, maybe not. So maybe this is the best one, the best possible matchup from the SEC to shut these idiots up because, God, I hate UCF. Because less, or, Ed Orgeron will be able to motivate his team and get it. Let's, let's get it. Let's get him in wait, here. Wait, 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 real quick. Before we get Coach Owen. The name of the goal? Of the bowl? Name of the bowl. The lash out irrationally screaming to a pillow bowl. If that's not a good segue to bring in Coach O, I don't know what is. What's up, Coach? Hey, he's dapping me up. He's feeling himself today. Okay. Uh, how you doing, Connor? I'm doing well. I think you've been on dun, the... Dun, dun, dun. In the eye of the tiger, in the thrill of the fight, rising up to the challenge of these Twitter warriors. How you doing, Connor? Let me tell you something right now. We got a big old bowl game. It's going to be a fiesta bowl. Sponsored by PlayStation. You'd be Totito. Remember Totito who's do the game? Hot. Spicy. I call it this people, to be honest. You know what I'm saying? Now, a lot of teams come in here, try to talk trash. Try to talk down to SEC, LAU, CoO, all the above. I cannot wait till whatever day. To get, it's January 1st. It's New Year's Eve, Coach. You got, or New Year's Day. You got some time to, to, to prepare. You got a few weeks to recruit and do all that now, stuff. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen. The reason I asked you that question, New Year's Eve, the ball drop, okay? On New Year's Day, the hammer going to drop on the UCF nights. All they little Twitter hero, all they little online keyboard warriors going to have a little muzzle put on them. You ever seen a dog with a muzzle on Connor? I have. I've seen one right now. You haven't seen one with a knight? What, what, what is a golden knight? Only one knight I respect. And that's a Bud Light knight. I think we all agree with that. UCF. They're going to need some ice hot. Though not a lot of different. A lot of different ads here for you. They're going to need some. They're going to look like Shaq. With all the icy hot, they're going to have to be rubbing on themselves. They're going to be so. They're going to be tired. And more than anything, they're going to be quiet. Quiet as a mouse. They'll change that name to Mouse. UCF Mouse. Coach, not your best. Nah, I'm fired up. We got some time to get ready for this game. I got chills. Did you? Yeah. I'm inspired. (laughs) I I mean, I kind of have him too. It's because there's a chalkboard in my apartment, and he keeps dragging his nails on it to get him fired up. I don't know what he's doing. He's got to get that kind of for brunch. Recruit. Yeah. Um, we've got, and it might mean too much in our five star reviews. So we will uh, we'll get to that one first. We've got two five star reviews, but this one is subject line. It might mean too much. This is from L Butts twenty two. This is fantastic. One of the best we've ever had. I love the podcast. As an Alabama fan living in Austin, Texas, aka land of the Big Twelve, aka what is defense, aka okay, cool, hook 'em. I need this injected in my veins every day as I commute past DKR. Y'all do a fantastic job on the pod. For it might mean for my it might mean too much story, uh, to start the 2017 season, I was deployed in Iraq and watched the thank Bama you, FSU game. Yes, thank you very much. Watched the Bama FSU game with an FSU fan at 2.30 a.m. at Saddam's Palace in uh, Musal. How do you say that? Musal. Musal. I needed the FSU fan because he was the Como platoon sergeant and could get internet to feed Reddit. Also, go follow Chris Marler <laughs> on the gram. Two very that different. Shout out. That was the best story too, man. I 
That that is perfect. It might mean too much. You are in Saddam's palace. Just I'm I'm. I got chills. And I'm doing the suck at science. Just gonna That's go listen awesome. to some Toby Keith right now. I'm American girl. That's pretty one good. more. This is from. All right. You want to do this one? This is from. Yeah, I got this. One. This is from Rebel Scum twenty one eighty seven, a true football fans podcast, unbelievably awesome podcast slash channel for any college football fan wanting to listen to while driving or at work, needed needing to pass the time or to have a few good laughs. I didn't read that sentence well. The Coach O segments kill me. Also, if you ever wish you could have a chance to somehow swipe the sports almanac book from Marty McFly and Back to the Future two to win some money. Lines. We said that. Yeah. Look no further than right here. Uncle Chris will be sure to get you paid with the right picks. Seriously, a great mixture of awesome humor and immense expertise on top of serious dedication to delivering a great A podcast. Keep up the great work. Connor, take us out. I don't know how we went on this long. I feel it's my fault. Yeah, it, it, it's always your fault. Um, <laughs> by the way, it took me an hour and 25 minutes to realize that you're wearing a shirt that says, Watch Me Whip. Does the bottom of that shirt say, Watch Me Nene? Watch me slay slay. Oh my gosh. It's a picture of Santa. I'm sweating profusely on too. It's my favorite. It's a, it's a Christmas sweater. Now watch me whip, watch me slay slay. Grinch, please. Dude, I came up with all these puns like three years ago, and now they're everywhere. I should have made a million dollars. Or cookies. I don't know. Whatever. Leave us a five-star review if you have not done so yet. Thank you for everybody who came out to our events on Grinch Friday night. Grinch better have my money. <laughs> We're gonna, instead of new bowl games, new bowl game names, we're gonna come up with uh, just new Christmas songs. It'll, Send it'll me a Nick pick. Uh, All right, we gotta go. We're gonna we're doing something a little bit differently uh, next week. We're not gonna have your typical Sunday pod. We're gonna do a Monday pod instead because we don't have games this weekend. Although Army Navy is this weekend, but we're gonna do a Monday pod, and then I think we're gonna do something a little bit even more different. Uh, the following Thursday, so stay tuned this is for all that. News to me, but okay. it is. I love breaking news to you at the end of the pod. It's very fun for me. <laughs> uh, make sure that you're still watching Facebook Live. Uh, are we still doing? Are you doing three a week? Or are you down to two a week now? Uh, so we didn't do one last night. We're doing it tonight. So if you are going to be listening, uh, or if you're listening today on Wednesday, December, whatever it is, um, tune in tonight to Facebook Live. We have our uh, postseason award show that I'll be hosting. Follow us on Instagram at Saturday on South. Follow us on Twitter at the SDS Pod at C Marler SDS at C J O Guerra. Marler, Coach O. Do we still have Coach O? Or are you scratching chalkboards? He left. He just repelled off the side of the balcony. I don't know what he's doing. All right. Do you want to? Do you want to send us out with uh, the most important thing we need to remember this weekend? It might mean too much. Talk to you Monday.